0: It's wonderful to be in the house of God on this gorgeous spring morning. Hallelujah. Thank God for His timing, for everything. It does make a huge difference in my life. His timing is crucial. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to read a passage before before you're seated today. Simple passage from Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Primarily today I'll be re- using two chapters from the Bible. Be using a little bit from Luke chapter 12 and then using something from 2 Kings chapter 4. And from those two passages, maybe a few other verses, but primarily from those two passages, I'd like to to draw our attention and hopefully by the grace of God, we can leave here strengthened by his word. But from Luke chapter 12, verse 15, and this is speaking of Jesus, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now that sounds like an odd scripture for a Sunday morning. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now just to... to, Start us off on the right foot, perhaps. When we read a passage like that, it's a, it's a negative statement. It says, life cons- a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. But if Jesus Christ chose to speak that in a negative, it's because he knew there was also a positive. He told us what li- a man's life does not consist of. So obviously there is something that man's life does consist of. And I trust that when we get through with Luke chapter 12 and 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll come to a better understanding of that passage of scripture. Amen. Can can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your will and purpose. God, we know that your ways are far above our ways. By far, Lord, above our ways. And we thank you for that. Pray that you would bless in our service today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. There are, there are folk here that I don't get to see all the time. and But I'm glad to see y'all. Some of you, because of situations, understandable situations, you're only able to come here on Sunday morning. I'm not always here on Sunday morning. So I'm glad to see y'all. So if I haven't... Spoken to you or seen you lately. Hello to all of you. Amen. Good to see you. I'm going to throw out a few names. When you recognize the name, raise your hand. And keep it up. Lillian Betancourt. Lillian Betancourt. Charlotte Weber, Susan Clatton with a K. Susan Clatton. I'm drawing a blank. Christy Walton. My wife knows Christy Walton. Knows of her. Well, just to make you feel real good about your ignorance, (laughs) all of those ladies are billionaires. So the Walton name, you don't have to ask where that money came into her purse. You put it there quite often, I'm sure. (laughs) Some of the rest of them, Their billions came from various places. But it's amazing that almost no one knew those female billionaires in our world today. You didn't know them. And I realize God knows everyone. But there are ladies in this room right now that God has invested more in you than he has in them. I know he died for all. I understand that. But some have not taken advantage of having the application of the benefits of his death to them. I mentioned to you just a few names of billionaires, but just to, there are billions of ladies who do not know those billionaires' names. It's kind of a, uh, the, the pendulum swings, you know? That, that's something about all of life, the pendulum swings you can be a billionaire or you can swing the pendulum to the other way and you can be the poorer not not necessarily on the bottom all the time but but the poorer one who's who number in the billions down through the years so in all of that spectrum somewhere i pray that we can find ourselves in the stories today now we God's done a lot of things for us. I saw the ladies up worshiping, men worshiping today. Why? Because God has done things for you. In our room today, in the, in the sanctuary today, uh, some have left, but we did have at least three sets of brothers in the sanctuary a few minutes ago. We had the young Neelys. One was up here and one was back there. And now I think they've all left us. Is is Matthew still up here? I don't see him. He went downstairs also. And then I think that their dad and his brother are both here today. Yeah, I I can see one. Yeah, we have those two Neely brothers. And then we have the Reed brothers, twins. Do we have any other sets of brothers here today? Oh, yes, Harding brothers. When I see them, it's more like a trio. <laughs> the Harding brothers, that's right. How did I miss them? Do we have any other sets of brothers here today? I'm going to choose to uh, single out the Reeds. Uh, if you two Reed twins would come sit one on my left and one on my right, that's how Jesus had them, and they wanted to be closer. But take your pick. Doesn't matter which one. Now, the reason I'm picking on them, and I I forgot about the Hardings, I could have included them because their dad's here. But but Brother Reed is here also. So, Brother Reed, you play a part in this, but you can stay seated down because you leave the story pretty quickly. (laughs) You don't last long, sir. Let me me just kind of put a little story to you today. Elder Reed is... uh, is a wealthy man, owned the business, and toward the end of his life, he, he turned it over to... Wait, which one's oldest? I can never remember. Mother knows, I'm sure, which one's the oldest. She's put up with him longer. But, but he's the oldest. So we're going to call you elder and you younger. So Elder Reed, not that Elder Reed, but this Elder Reed, was, his dad asked him to kind of take over the business and run the business and so he was doing that even while his dad was still living. But, but his dad died. That's why I said you leave the story pretty quick, quickly. So the dad passed away. And, and so the elder son is now running the business. He's in control of everything. But, but the younger son starts to notice that the elder son is not sharing any of that inheritance with him leaving him high and dry and he he doesn't like it at all and and he's concerned about it and and he thinks about it ponders over gives a little time but the elder is not sharing any of the inheritance with the younger he saw that he's in control and he's just slipping it into his own bank account and the younger one doesn't like it doesn't know what to do and so he comes and talks to pastor Buford and he says pastor Buford I've got a problem my my dad has passed away and my elder brother is is taking care of all of the affairs and, and he's not splitting the inheritance with me. He's keeping it all himself. Now I hope that doesn't happen in real life. He's keeping it all to himself. He's not sharing the inheritance with me. And and Pastor Buford looks at him and says, Who do you think I am? Do you think I'm the divider of the inheritance? That that's not what I am, but but you know, I want you to to practice a little caution. I want you to practice caution. Don't be covetous of what he has. Now, how do y'all like that story? Do you think that Brother Buford gave him good advice? He doesn't have any of his inheritance. He's still, wherever he was when his dad was living, he he was there but now the elder brother has it all and, and the pastor gives him such weak advice well who do you think I am am I a divider of the inheritance let me just give you a little word of caution don't be covetous of what somebody else has that didn't assuage his feelings at all he still feels bad toward his brother he still wants what is rightfully his but but in the scriptures he doesn't get it. And that's one of the stories from chapter 12 of the book of Luke. And Jesus is the one who gave the report that the pastor gave. And Jesus told him, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now that's the story that, that they told. You brethren, both of you can go down and you can still sit next to each other like you were. Don't fight. Uh thank you There're sometimes that that sc- pieces of scripture are placed next to something else in scripture for a purpose. Sometimes as in our story today it's, it's because, it, the story I just mentioned, it all happened in the same setting. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. There was a large group of them. There were some other folks that came around that were not disciples. And Jesus told them some teachings. And then one of those disciples asked that question and Jesus responded and answered the question. Don't be covetous. Life does not consist of the abundance of money and things and stuff. It does not consist in that. But he doesn't immediately say what it does consist of. He does go on to tell the very next story. There was a rich man. He had all kind of goods. He was rich. And he had planted his fields. And they brought forth such a wonderful harvest this particular fall that he looked out and he started to harvest in his fields. And his barns wouldn't hold it. So he tore those barns down and he built new barns to try to make room to store it. Because then he made a statement. He says, soul, take thine ease. You have enough laid by for many years. But Jesus came along in, in, in the spirit and said, this night your soul is required of thee. Why? It was because the man took something temporary. He took something temporary. Carnal, and he tried to apply it to eternity. You cannot take the abundance of this world and apply it to eternal habitation. You can't do that. You can't build your eternal home down here with gold bars and full barns. You just can't do that. And so in those two stories couched together in the teachings of Jesus, just lay that as a foundation. There's more to life than what you can accumulate. I would like to go now to the, second, or to the fourth chapter of the book of 2 Kings. There's two different ladies mentioned in the book in this particular chapter. Two ladies, and I would like to address these two ladies' stories. Let me try to put it a little bit in perspective. This particular setting of time, Joram was the king of 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 Israel he was the son of Ahab and Jezebel great heritage great heritage Jezebel Ahab wicked people son named Joram Joram was the grandson of Omri Omri was a king uh, of of Israel he was a he was an, an awful man he was not the king of Israel it was Jezebel's dad he was an idolater he even actually was a priest for one of their false gods. Did some horrible sacrifices. And now Joram, Joram is, the, is the king of Israel. And everything now that three generations of badness has brought upon the, the nation. The country is, is in bad shape, really. The evil is running rampant. The idolatry is flooding the, the land. And in that bad situation, we still find something good. In that bad situation where the, all, of the, all of the king's system was evil and idolatrous, yet we find there was a school of the prophets in operation. There was a, there was a group of men... And women who gathered together at the School of the Prophets and they were able to do the work of God. Lots of miracles happened. You remember the story of the axe head that floated? That took place at the School of the Prophets. Remember when they were going to eat something and they said, no, no, there's death in the pot. And by a miracle of God, they cleansed the food and it was not poisonous anymore. There were some wonderful miracles that took place not... Only amongst the people of the school of the prophets. But as those people left and did prophetic work, they were doing miracles as well. The head of it, the starter of it, was Elijah the prophet. After his passing, then Elisha came on board. And Elisha was now the head of the school of the prophets. And as the head of the school of the prophets, he mentored other prophets. Elisha was a servant of Elijah's. The Bible says that he washed the hands of Elijah. He served him. He knew what it was to be the second man serving the first man. Not that they were higher than each other in in God's sight, but in purpose there were some differences in elevation. Elijah was the first and along came Elisha. Now, so Elisha is the prophet at this point. And this is where the first lady, and and I'm not going to put a lady in the chairs, but but I want you to think of this lady. This is a a lady, her husband has passed away. He was was from the school of the prophets. He was a servant. He waited on Elisha. He was a part of the school of the prophets. He was not just one who was a servant there, but he was one of the prophets of the school of the prophets. But he also was one who served. But he died. And after he died, the lady was in debt. And so she goes to Elisha with a petition. She says, you knew my husband. He was one of the prophets. He he was your servant. And he served you, but now he's dead. And, And the creditors are wanting to come take my two sons to have to work off the debt that we owe." I, can't, I, I don't want to lose my sons, and she pled with the prophet for help. Now, he wanted to help, but he probably didn't have any financial means to help either. But he asked a simple question. He says, what do you want me to do? What, what can I do? And then he asks, what do you have in your house? Very similar question to what Peter asked at the gate beautiful. What, what do you want me to do? Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He gave him what he had. And this is what the prophet is asking the the mother to do, this woman to do. What do you have in your house? She said, "We, we don't have anything in the house except a pot full of oil, probably olive oil. That's all we have. And he said, well, go to all your neighbors. Gather all their vessels, their pots, glasses, buckets, whatever you can get bring it to your house, shut your door, and start pouring from your pot of oil into those. And so she said, okay. So her and her sons, they gathered all the the pots and vessels that they could, brought them in the house, shut the door, and then she started pouring. And as she poured, the oil kept coming. She filled the first pot, the second pot, the next flower vase. She filled every pot that they had. And then when she finally poured into the very last vessel, she asked her son, says, bring me another vessel. And he said, Mom, we can't. We've already used up everyone. We've filled every vessel in the house now. And she was so excited. She runs to the prophet, and she said, Oh, prophet Elisha, we have just done what you said, and, and we have filled every vessel we brought into the house. We have filled it with oil. She didn't know what to do, what the next step was, but he said, Take the oil, go and sell it, Take the money you get and pay off your debts, pay off your creditors, and then take the rest of it, and you and your sons can live on that. Now, that is a fabulous story. That is a miracle story. Now, I want to leave that story right there in this this unnamed poor lady sitting here. Because the very next verse of Scripture in chapter four of Second Kings talks about Elisha. Then went on his way, and he passed through Shunem. When he got to Shunem, he had maybe have been there sometimes before, but, but one particular time there was a. The Bible terms her a great lady, not great. That's some people have jokingly said she was a large lady. No, she was a great lady, wealthy by all. Uh, of the rest of the story that we read. Her and her husband owned property. They had many slaves. They had fields that they labored in. They had their own home. They, they just had a lot going for them. And they were, they were well placed in the community. There were just great things to say about them. And now he comes by there and this Shunammite lady, this well-to-do Shunammite lady, says, why don't you join us for supper tonight? My husband and I would love to have you join us. And so Elisha says, okay, he and Gehazi, his servant, and they go and they have a meal with, with this great lady and her husband. Unnamed lady. The, the poor lady was unnamed. The rich lady was unnamed. Money's doesn't always identify you or give you a title or a name. After a few trips and meals, the lady told her husband, she noticed that the, this man has been by here a while. We, we've eaten several meals with him, and, and I perceive that he's a holy man of God, a prophet. And, and I would like for us to do something for him. I would like for us to build a little room in our house and, and just for him. And, and I would like to, to, to furnish it with a bed and a little table and a stool and a candlestick and make it comfortable for him so that when he comes by, he'll have a place to stay. And so he did. One time he came through there and he came to to the house and went into his little room and laid down on his little bed in his little room that they had built for him. And and he asked Gehazi, his servant, he said, Gehazi, um, we need to do something nice for this lady and her husband. They've done such great things for us. We need to do something nice for them. Uh, Call her to come here and let's see what she needs. And so the lady came into the into the room where Elijah and Gehazi wasn't and, and Gehazi as, as the speaker the spokesperson he says uh, ma'am we're so thankful for everything you've done for us what what can we do for you can can we talk to the king for you put in a good word you know we know the king but can we put in a good word for you or or can we talk to the general uh, you know or do you have s- troubles with situation we can talk to the general for you what do you need us to do And she made such a wonderful statement. She says, well, I live among my own people. Now, in our world today, that's not saying a whole lot. I live among my own people. But when you take it in context of the story and the times, when when she was saying, "I I dwell among my own people, she was saying, I'm content here. I have people around me that love me. I have people around me that that we're a family. We're a good community. And and I don't need anything else. I don't need protection from the general. I don't need a word from the king. I've got everything that I need here. Life is good for me. I live among my own people. And then she left. And and then Elisha asked Gehazi, Gehazi, we've we've bound this. What can we do for this lady? And Gehazi, who had been observing things, he says, well, she does not have any children. And so Elisha says, call her back. So she comes back and she stands in the doorway of that little room. And and the prophet through Gehazi says, at this season, next year, when the fullness of time has come, you're going to have a baby boy. Now this is the prophet saying that. And the great lady says, oh, don't don't tease me. Don't deceive me. Don't lie to me. No, don't lie to me. He says, no, seriously. About a year from now, you're going to have a baby boy. And sure enough, a year from that time, she gave birth to a baby boy. And there's more to that story, but that's all I'm going to tell. But those two stories come from the the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. The poor lady, who didn't have anything, who had huge needs. And the rich lady, who had everything... And from her own lips, didn't need anything. I just want to tell you what God showed these two ladies. He showed her that when you need everything, I can do it. And yet to the lady who says she has everything, God is able to reveal her need. And then miraculously meet it. There are people here today. From both ends of the spectrum and everywhere on the continuum in between, there's ladies and men here today. Some of you come to the house of God this morning with huge needs. But others of you come to the house of God saying, I I dwell among my own people. And you don't have any needs. But there's still an emptiness, a vacancy, a void in your life. And just as God can meet these needs, he can also reveal and meet these needs. And so as the pendulum is swinging today, in the remainder of my comments, in the, as the pendulum is swinging in between, and you find yourself somewhere in here, we're going to learn some lessons from these two ladies, but it doesn't have to be just men learning from, I mean just women learning from these ladies. But all of us can learn from the, the, the teachings that, that are given in these two lessons. One of the first things I want to say is this lady got her answer because she contacted someone who walked with God. She would have went, her her sons would have been used by that creditor and she would have gotten nothing had she not turned to someone who walked with God. And this lady over here, her need would have never been revealed to her had she not contacted somebody who walked with God. In all of our lives, we have relationships. We have relationships with people. We have relationships with with things. We have relationships with with jobs. We, We have relationships intertwining all throughout our lives. One of the greatest relationships you will ever have is to have a relationship with someone who walks with God. Now, I chose my words carefully. I did not say the greatest relationship, but I said one of the greatest relationships. The greatest relationship you'll ever have is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationship does not come without a revelation. A fan of a movie star or a great singer or even a sorry singer. A fan is not not in a relationship really with their star, with their hero, with their idol. They're not in relationship. All they know is what the media tells them about that superstar. There's not really a relationship. A husband and a wife have a deeper relationship than that of a fan and the singer because there's some, there's some intimate things that have been revealed one to another. They know their deepest secrets, or should. They know, that they know more about them than anyone else perhaps knows about them because there's, there's, some, there's some knowledge that's there, not just what the media spills out as they desire. But our relationship with Jesus Christ has to be not just because we heard somebody introduce Him, we heard somebody talk about Him, but because we have sought Him, we've sought to have Him revealed to us through our Bible reading, through our study, through our hearing of teaching and hearing of preaching and walking with Him through, through prayer that, that not just a now lay me down to sleep prayer, but a, a relationship prayer that gets into where God is, is sharing with us. And both of these ladies had a deep relationship with Elisha, the man who walked with God on their behalf. Now, he's the only, only one in the story who's named, but it doesn't lessen their importance. Sometimes I think the reason God does not name people in the Bible is because he wants us to put ourselves in that chair. And if she had a name, we may not want to sit in her chair. But since it's a no-name, we we feel comfortable sitting there. Since the the great lady is a no-name, we don't feel awkward sitting in her chair and letting the truth of God's Word speak to us. One had a need. The other one had a need revealed to her. Perhaps in her quieter moments earlier on in in her life, she she may have desired a child. But the Bible says that her husband is old. That's why she didn't want to be teased about it. But God still provided for her, and she had the child. God has a way of giving to us the things that we so desperately, desperately need. There's something about the man of God who walked by several times and then ate with them several meals that she says... I perceive that this is a holy man of God. Just let your mind wander right now. What about him triggered that response? What was there about that man that made her come to the realization he is a holy man of God? Was it because his conversation at the table was risque? Was it because his... His conversation at the table was was shady or he talked about dishonest things or he talked about other people in a negative way. What about this man caused her to think he's a holy man of God? Now, the Bible doesn't say. But there's something about him that made her realize he was a holy man of God. This particular lady, it wasn't revealed to her, necessarily by by conversations with Elisha, but she knew her husband. She knew her husband's relationship with Elisha, and she trusted in her husband's relation with him, and she was able to receive the things that she so desperately, desperately needed. One lady had a lot of need, and God met it. The other lady had a need revealed, and God met it. Now I want to ask a question. Which of the characters in this story do you most closely identify with? Which of the characters in this story, do you, or these two stories, which of the characters do you most closely identify with? I know that's an awkward question and I'm I tried to phrase it differently. Because if you relate to this one, someone may think you're saying you're poor. If you relate to this one, someone may think you're saying you're rich. But let's take those two descriptive terms off of them. And let's just say this is a lady who had a need revealed and God met it. This is a lady that had a need that she expressed and God met it. Now, of the of the characters in this study, who do you relate to the most? And I raise your hand and just tell me. The, my, the lady who didn't have any needs, but God revealed a need and met it. Anybody else? It could be a man. Sit to bar. The one on your right. Yeah, I was trying to think my right, your right. The one, A lady who had needs and made them known and God met them. Anybody else? Where do you... What are the characters in the study do you relate to the most? Yes, in the back I see someone. The one on the right. A lot of needs. Big need. And God... And sometimes he may not have met it yet. Anybody else? Yes. Do what? Both. That's a great answer. Both. There are times in my life that I have huge needs, and I call out to God, and he's there, ever-present help. And then there's other times that I, I live among my own people. I'm content. And yet God reveals that hidden need that maybe I didn't, didn't think about, wasn't aware of. But it's a spiritual need, perhaps, that, that God reaches down and touches. Anybody else? Yes, the pendulum swings both, both ways. At different times in your life, you'll find yourself on one side or in the middle or on the other. Anybody else? What, what are the characters in these two stories do you best relate to? Anybody else? I've preached this before in another location. And y'all are normal. Because y'all, no one compared yourself to Elisha. I didn't say either of the two ladies as you would express a, a... Either one, I would go and touch that chair. But but I said, which of the characters of these two stories do you relate to the most? I would like to tell you, you may not be a prophet as Elisha was, but God can use you to meet needs. God can use you to touch people no matter which way the pendulum has swung in their lives. God is able to use you to meet their needs. Elisha was a man. A man of passions like us. He was a prophet, did some great things, but he still was a human being. And when this lady needed something from God, she went to someone who walked with God for her need to be met. It was met in a miraculous way. But there's sometimes that God will move on to touch them in a more natural, practical way. And I think we could be blessed to understand how God provides. The provision of God is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to me and my from my point of view. We think of true riches. Jesus taught us to lay not up our treasures on this earth. We're rust and moth and thieves would take but instead lay up our treasures in heaven where neither rust nor moth nor thieves could destroy and there's sometimes in our life when we live in a selfish way that we, we don't give to others you remember the young, the young Reed sitting here the word of the pastor to him, which were the words of Christ. Beware of covetousness and thinking that, that what someone else has, that you ought to have the same thing. Or what someone has, you should have all of it. Those kind of things can be so hurtful to us. So hurtful. But instead, if we can understand God... What does it take for me to sit in this chair and get my needs met? And what does it take to sit in that chair and get my needs met? To sit in this chair, one of the greatest uh, bargaining chips, you want to use that term, that the person in this chair has is a thing called faith. I believe that if I can get a hold of Elisha, the man of God, that my need will be met. She had to have faith. The lady over here, she had to have faith. This lady played two roles because of her positioning in life. She was able to help the man of God. She built him a little room. She fed him many meals. She was a a person who gave. This lady couldn't give because she didn't have anything to give. But this lady could and did. And God still met her unexpressed needs because she had a faith in the things of God. How many of you come today with faith in your heart? At the start of this service, there was such an overwhelming power of god that swept through here that was in that increased all of our faith in the things of god some of the songs that they sang was just increasing our faith in god and and making us believe god to do anything as someone said i could have i could have rushed hell with a squirt gun you know i just felt that that strong in the lord that that worship but when, it, when we can come to God, no matter where the pendulum of our life swings, when we go to God with faith in our heart, He is going to meet our need. There's not a person here today, if we would put chairs all the way across here, somewhere along this continuum, you would find yourself, your need to be expressed to God. And when you can find that need and express that need, she... Whenever she was able to acknowledge and own her need for a child, God granted it. But he, she had to own that need and that desire. And miracles from God are not always just for our needs, but they can be for our wants as well. And this lady had something that she desired, and God graciously, graciously gave it to her. So when it comes to faith and miracles and things of god and answered prayer the bible says we all have faith maybe as a grain of mustard seed but we all have faith we all have faith in different levels and but as long as we put our faith in god it's it's enough it's enough it can be what we would say small faith, but if it's placed in him, it's enough to move him in our direction. God answers prayers. At the start of the service, Brother Justin mentioned Brother Travis's situation. A touch of God, a wonderful intervention by God, and, and a much appreciated intervention by God. God did a tremendous work. How many of you have had God do an intervention in your life and it turned out wonderful for you? Yeah, I see hands. You've been there, you know that. And, And how much faith did you have working up to that event? No more than you have right now. It was directed, it was focused. It was focused on him. It was focused in the right direction and that intervention happened. God came down and made a difference. Worked a miracle. Saved your soul. Forgave your sins. Healed your body. Whatever the miracle was that God did he acted upon faith in your heart. These ladies had faith in God and God granted them their petition. Hallelujah. So when we think of Of the things of God, these four stories that I mentioned, primarily the last two, the poor lady, the wealthy lady, the poor lady, the great lady, the lady that had needs, the lady that didn't realize she had a need until she really got to thinking about it and God helped her, direct her. God gave her, both of them, their miracle. Would you lift your hand if you have a need today? A need that... And you're speaking that need from one of these two chairs. It's a big need. It, it's I'm not content living with this need. Or maybe your need is like this lady. I have a need, but I'm not even really aware of it until God prompts me. And then I realize what a great need that is for me. Raise your hand again if you have a need in the house today. Now... Put your hands down. If God answered that, would you know it? You know, sometimes we have just this generic need, and if he answered it, we wouldn't know for three days that it was done. And then we wouldn't know, you know. But, but spe- you specifically have a need that you know if God, if God answered that need, you would know it. Would you raise your hand? Nearly all the same hands go up again. My next question is, If you had the need and you expressed it and God answered it and you knew it, would you give Him praise? Would you raise your hands again? You know, you've just made a deal. It's hard for God to turn down. You're in the process of confessing a need. You haven't confessed it with your mouth yet. You confessed it with your hand, your need. And then you confess it. God, if you answer this need, I will know it. It's a definite thing. But then you took it a step further and you confess, God, I will praise you when you answer this prayer. That's the kind of faith and response that God loves. How many of you, you, you had the need that you raised a hand for... <clears throat> No one can do anything about it, really, but God. I see your hands. You know, there's sometimes we have a question that there's not a man or woman alive that can answer this question for me. Oh, they can beat around the bush, but you need an answer. We need God. As we stand today, I would like for us to, to go to God in prayer.